listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. Welcome to the only podcasters on the review, <laughs> brought to you by oneofus.net podcasting network and sponsored by, I don't know, one of those fancy overpriced meal kits or one of those trendy foam mattresses they send to your house wrapped in a vacuum seal bag. Gut milk. Gut We're milk. sponsored by gut milk, Marco. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> is that it? Yeah. All I know from listening to podcasts is that people only care about sleeping and eating. And you know what? I can relate to that. My name is Marco. I'm one of the only podcasters on this review. And the other podcasters on this review are Frank. Hello. And I would just like to say I'm not calling anybody out, but I'm just going to say that I recognize Shirley MacLaine whenever she shows up on the screen. I'm just saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Was that directed uh, to me? Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, not throwing anybody under the podcasting bus. I hadn't seen her in a while. <laughs> Sue me. And Neil. Hello. And I will confess, I did not recognize her right, right away. <laughs> That's how good of an actor she is, Frank. She disappeared into the role. Us not recognizing her was the ultimate compliment. Well, it's also she's playing like uh, a character who had like gray hair. And so to play, she's playing her mother. And so yeah. it's, to show up with Red yeah. Shirley McLean show up, that's fair enough. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's fair. You, you know, Shirley McLean's the classic redhead. Yeah. It, it was off-putting <laughs> at first. And also, sometimes a redhead, but definitely not as much white hair as I have, Harmony. Hello. I really hope there's more tomato squeezing. Like, <laughs> I mean that in like the least sexual way I possibly can. But, oh, yeah. I was going to offer the alternative, but you, you <laughs> I don't know any other way to do it. Marco um, is wearing a red shirt right now. Coincidence. Oh. You know, and I'm very squeezable. <laughs> well, if you haven't figured it out by now, of course you have. You clicked on the thumbnail. You know what review this is. We're reviewing season two of Hulu's hit show, Only Murders in the Building, starring Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez as a trio of podcasters and true crime enthusiasts who find themselves caught up in a mystery of their own. If you saw season one, you know that it ended on a cliffhanger where the trio were being framed for a murder of the superintendent of the apartment complex that they lived in, the Arconia. Season two picks up exactly where season one left off, and just so that you know, I'm sure you've probably already watched all ten episodes, but we're going to be very, very careful around spoilers, just in case. But season one spoilers are fair game. Yeah, Guys, I was really looking forward to this new season. It was greenlit almost as soon as season one came out. Season three has already been greenlit. And I'm glad that we're getting more of it. Neil, how did you feel coming into season two? Very anxious, very excited, and was not let down. This trio has some mystery component that doesn't need to be solved, 
of the chemistry between these three that it isn't one isn't like super on one side of a spectrum and all that they have weird peaks and valleys in that but they mm-hmm. complement each other so much throughout season one throughout th- season two uh they are all executive producers on it so they have their hand in that but it all translates to the screen i have to agree with neil that the chemistry on screen with these three is just amazing we know steve martin and martin short have great chemistry they've they've worked together for years i think the addition of selena gomez as this very snarky very kind of over maybe 30 i don't know how old she is but she's um, a millennial just millennial well, um, maybe millennial okay let's, let's say tw- let's say 20s let's say let's 20s, 20s yeah really works because that's all she can play <laughs> I love Selena Gomez. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, she's great in this. But I keep reviewing things with people who only can play themselves. (laughs) And she's one of them. But I love her. She's great. She's the straight man in this. And she's really great. She's really great at the deadpan. um, Because the other two really can't do that. Martin Short can't do that to save his life. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So that balance really works. Mm -hmm. You guys have pinpointed the key selling point of this show. You have a great trio, two of whom are long-established comic legends. Really, the X Factor, the unknown quantity, was Selena Gomez. And to my pleasant surprise, uh, she just clicks on their wavelength. She's not trying to copy them or do what they do. She gets to bring a totally different energy. And it's really important because she's a very big player in this. She is holds her own with these Mm -hmm. two legends who are old enough to be her grandparents. And yet she never feels like she's struggling against it. She, she's just like born to play this role with those particular guys. And she never feels like she's like shoehorned in or anything like that. Like they're not doing it just for a namesake or anything. That That's one of the things that I was like going into this show initially was very concerned about. You think like this shouldn't work. Like the, this team just should not work. You think it be, because it just feels like so obvious that the generational differences and they do play in they, they do play into those, um, you know, in season one and in season two. But man, like the banter and the chemistry, the shorthand mm-hmm. that they have together, I mean, it's priceless. This is a great comedy team, the three of them. I know we were talking off mic before we started recording. And I know Neil thinks very highly of this second season, as do I. I had a great time. It's highly entertaining. And I don't want to get into all of the uh, twists and turns of the plot. But I must say, as is often the case with any follow-up to a surprise hit, I think there was a slight drop in quality. Not enough to make me dislike it. Uh, I still think it's a wonderful watch. Season one was kind of lightning in a bottle. It was not only very funny and had a lot of commentary about, you know, true crime and the podcasting phenomenon, but also dealt with the lives of a bunch of very lonely, sad people who find themselves uh, and become unlikely friends and allies and also had what really surprised me, a genuinely involving whodunit with uh, some really uh, great character work. Season two definitely feels like they are trying to hit some of those same beats. This time, the uh, murder victim is another member. Uh, <clears throat> as the title implies, it's only murders in the building. And the Arconia has a bit of a 
Yarkoni has an unfortunate habit of murders happening now. Uh, we started off with the uh, investigation into the death of Bunny Fogler, the crotchety old woman who ran the Arconia and was preparing to retire. And uh, Mabel was found with the body holding a knitting needle and clearly is being framed for committing this murder. So, of course, her friends have to figure out how can we prove her innocence. And they... I'm not quite sure it really hangs together. There's a lot of wonderful callbacks to season one. A lot of characters who you do not expect to return do come back. That's part of the fun. But this time around, I felt like they were kind of forcing it a little bit. I kind of feel similar to you, um, Marco. Uh, I had fun with this season. I mean, it's impossible not to have like this creative team in front of and behind the camera and not produce something that is hugely entertaining um and just you know episode after episode does does doesn't drop the ball but i feel like where the the first season was so wonderfully tight and just you had such a, a great sense of rhythm and pace and like every story beat every reveal was um was so on point this one felt a little bit too busy if a little too uh stuffed with characters I mean, you have Amy Schumer playing an exaggerated version of herself. That's that served virtually no purpose whatsoever. Yeah, it's too much. You know, I I I kind of forgot that we were nearing the end when we got there. I thought, well, we sh- surely we have more of the actual mystery to to delve into. I mean, because we have we have segues to Charles's childhood and all that, and 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 there's a lot of subplots this time around. There's a lot of subplots. They do make a, a valiant effort to try to uh, make them relevant to the mystery. But there is a lot of segueing here. There's a lot of like detours that that we didn't have in the first season. I think it's I think it's a, the sophomore, not the sophomore slump, but like you know the season two jitters maybe. The, you know the need to make it so different but still be familiar. I kind of disagree. Like I think this was very strong. Um, I felt like the background story of this was about or this the underlying theme throughout it was about fatherhood, and I think they had to go into that to and explore it with a bunch of different characters in order for it to have that story of fatherhood. I think that helped give us more insight on the characters. Also, they did kind of break the fourth wall quite a bit, like talking about kind of the slump. So I think they were like kind of knew that was happening, but I, I don't, I honestly enjoyed just binging this and like going watching through it real fast. I don't, maybe if, if I was doing appointment viewing, it would have been more apparent, but for me, I, I didn't, I didn't see that at all. I agree with Harmony. A good mystery in my opinion is they don't hide the killer from you that it, they show up last second and they're revealed, but it's not easy to solve. And it's once again, this did this, but for me, the undertone of father's, uh, I agree, but also we get depth on all of them. We're getting more of Mabel's past, more of Oliver, more of Charles, that we got the surface of kind of their neuroses. Now we're going down a few layers. So for me, season two felt stronger. I'll, I'm going to completely disagree with the insertion of characters from season one, because don't forget, this is the next day. There's no time jump. So seeing Teddy and his deaf son again, it's only been two, three days. Right. Like, I'm surprised he's out on bail already and back in the building. But at the same time, do we really need to see Howard go on a date? To, to kind of piggyback off of what Neil was saying, 
And and to go also to build on your point, Frank, I do think the whodunit is a little weaker this season, especially the way it wraps up. If this show suffers from anything, it's just a glut of generosity. Mm, yeah. It takes the time to follow some of these side characters and give them a lovely moment, whether it's the people in the blackout, you know, a bunch of New Yorkers just spontaneously joining in a chorus of the sound of silence or two lonely men coming across the the hallway to borrow candles and kind of having a meet cute. All these season one characters come back and they have a nice little moment, but if they weren't there, it really wouldn't impact the whodunit. I think for me, what I wanted to see more of was the whodunit aspect and more of the podcasting aspect because that's largely lost. You forget they're Mm -hmm. doing a podcast. Absolutely. Last season, they were always like reviewing their theories and recording here, it's just like every once in a while, Oliver whips out his phone. It's like, could you say that again? And you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. They're recording. You are making episodes throughout. I forgot about that. Yeah, you're actually doing that. I will say that one of the, because I do like when they when they go to side characters, but I think that not every side character is worth exploring as much as, as they are explored here. I think the one exception, um, and one of the episodes I really, really liked was early on in the season when it was Bunny's last day. Yes, I love that episode. When we were following her. That's when you're going down, not a rabbit hole, but you're going down a different, like, a a bunny hole. There you go. Yeah, sure. (laughs) We use that. Yeah. And that's where... Well, they made her more human. Exactly. And that's where it it actually works, where we can deviate from the the three main characters and actually not only get involved, uh, more involved in the mystery, but also more involved in this character um, who who a lot of people were, were, you know... Hated. Easily, easily wrote off yeah. in the first season and explored her. I think that's when that show really gets it right. There, there's a poignancy even to the murderers in these shows where, you know, it takes a moment to go, okay, what brought this person right. to this point? And like I said, it, it's, it's a very generous and very caring type show considering the subject matter. And that's also something they did in season one where, you know, the murder victim, Tim Kono, got a whole episode just to him. I just kind of wish that they had focused a little bit on on the murder mystery aspect. And I'm not going to spoil it, although it's all over the internet. If you see, you know, the final episode, a new victim appears and you're like, wow, I can't believe they brought right. this person in just to kill them in one scene. And you're like, oh, no, that character is going to get a whole episode next season. You just know it. It's going to be the season. Now, you recognize that actor, Marco. I'm sure. I'm just going to. I'm sorry. I'm going to stop that. I'm going to stop. <laughs> well, of course. <laughs> but I think that was I think that was a brilliant, brilliant um, setup for the next season. Like we're already at the end of next season in a way. That's true. And, or you know, or the beginning, however you want to look at it. I thought that was that was a great setup. That was a great way to end the season. We have a giant time jump that with a few lines of dialogue, we're like, I was I actually said out loud, like, what the fuck is <laughs> happening? This seems so out of character for the characters we've spent the last in their time, like two, three weeks of real time, and now we jump ahead and know nothing yeah. again. Yeah, I love a good flashback, so I'm, I'm, I'm just pumped for next season. And I, I think all the character, like the side characters that we see and, and get to develop, is important to the show because the Arconia itself is a character. Well, the, Arco- well, the Arconia as a building gets its due. I mean, it, it, yeah, it does. I mean, it get, it gets its own episode as well, like its secrets and stuff. But, but I think to it kind of fleshes out that this is a community 
and that these murders keep happening in. And I, I don't know. I didn't see it as a issue to have the meat cute. I think the meat cute was a good misdirect uh, for the sneezing that was, um, could have been a clue, you know, that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> so I, I really, I like that it took time to ex- to explore all these people and that we get to know more about the doorman, you know, <laughs> and I just, I think he's great. And I, I'm, I'm glad that we got to spend the time with all these people. I, th- I think maybe it's the, the, the mystery lover in me, like, like, uh, like whenever I see this, it feels like, oh, you're just biding time now. Like you don't know how to move your mystery along. So you're, you're doing filler, entertaining filler. These are great characters and these are great actors playing them. So I'm not like bummed out to see these scenes. But you um, just see it but as filler. I, I see it as filler. Don't, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. Marco, what do you like? Well, I, I have some very specific examples. I mean, we touched on one, the uh, introduction of the Amy Schumer character, Another callback from season one where they have like a celebrity cameo playing themselves. Last season it was Sting, but he's actually integrated into the plot Mm -hmm. and they actually have a lot of fun with it. He's even a suspect at one point. Amy Schumer shows up playing herself. She's moved into Sting's old place. She's expressed interest in buying rights to the podcast to turn it into a star vehicle for herself. I thought, oh, this could get juicy. And then she's gone. That subplot disappears. She brings nothing to the material. It feels like, hey, we got Amy Schumer for a day. Let's just kind of riff. And then she's out of the picture. And and I thought, well, that's, that's a misuse of her and just a waste of screen time, even though I'm enjoying that scene. It ultimately doesn't add anything. And there's a lot of scenes this season that I'm like, this is fun, but it's not supporting anything. And that's too bad. Like I said, I have a lot of other examples. But before we go any further, why don't we start rolling into our final thoughts? Neil, would you do the honors, sir? Gladly. I had high hopes for this season. It met them all. I I could see that uh, Marco and Frank make some fair points. To me, it doesn't drag it down. I'm with Harmony that the building itself is a character. So some of its inhabitants, we go on a side journey, is fine. We actually learn more about the building. We get its history and its guts. Literally, its guts. I had a little spell in the final episode or a couple of minutes. You know, We made reference to tomato squeezing. It felt like it was going off the rails, <laughs> but only for a couple minutes. And they reel it in and quickly suck you back in with, oh, there's... There's layers here that we weren't aware of. This is fucking great. Because I think it's their play on the killer reveal, which we've seen in tons of mystery things, especially with, you know, Agatha Christie and such. It was brilliant. It was a brilliant twist to it. It was. It was expertly done where they even, like, you lose faith. I lost faith for a couple minutes. Like, what the (laughs) F is this? Come on. And it brought it back in and it made even more sense. So I'm excited they got another season. Uh, we're just going to have to wait. But I'm going to give this nine and a half bequeathed foul mouth parrots. <laughs> that gag did not get <laughs> no, old. No, it didn't. I, I know who did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Harmony, what are your final thoughts, please? My final thoughts. Um, I found this really, besides being brilliant and moving, you know, having a great, I think a great mystery, great characters. There was some moments there that were heartbreaking and I, which I wasn't expecting to be that 
emotionally connected with some of these these characters and i and i really was like there there's like at least two moments where i'm just like on the verge of tears because of what's happened to our characters i think this is gonna this is great for anybody who liked the first season you're gonna like the second season i'm gonna give it nine and a half out of ten gross sandwiches (laughs) frank that was an interesting... I'm a big fan of sweet and savory. Yeah, it sounds awful. Um, so I, I would have tried it. I'm like, oh, is that a thing? <laughs> I <don't laughs> think it is. Do people actually eat that? Like I said before, this suffers from way too many, uh, way too much time spent with characters who have nothing to do with the central mystery. And I, I do feel that it's, it's, it's them trying to buy some time until they figure out where they want this mystery to go. When you do find out where this mystery goes, you thought, well, why couldn't we have spent more time exploring it? Because it 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 doesn't feel totally out of left field, but at the same time, it feels like, well, I don't know if I had enough to put this together before because of all the segues we took. Like I said before, great segues, great characters, great actors playing these characters. It's it's fun to see people you didn't expect to see again from season one uh, return. I loved the bunny episode. I love exploring this. I, I always love looking at characters that audiences and the societies of the of the film or TV series have just completely written off. And I love seeing who they are beyond the stereotypes. And I think that this show did that really well with this character. The guest stars are fun. It was fun seeing Amy Schumer play, playing an even more heightened version, if you can imagine that, of herself. It was great seeing Shirley MacLaine. Uh, who is a legend, and uh, I can't wait to see her new movie that's coming out later this year. It's going to be really great. But I really, really wanted the mystery more than anything else, and I felt like at times it did take kind of a backseat. But this is still one of the best-written shows. It doesn't talk down to its audience whatsoever. It's got great chemistry, some of the best chemistry around between a, a trio of actors who really should not have no business working this well together. They just don't, and they do, and it's 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 great. So I really got to give this eight out of ten cocotinis because I don't like martinis, but I would try cocotini. That actually sounds like a pretty delightful cocktail. I gotta say, <laughs> who's with me? Should we all get co- cocotinis? I'll, I'll go. Well, speaking of delightful cocktails, that's exactly what this is. Mm. Uh, especially season one. I thought it was blended much stronger and the ingredients were better. You had genuine heart, hilarious comedy, and an engaging mystery with moments of actual suspense. That's hard to do. I didn't expect them to do it nearly as well as they did this season, but I do feel like there was a drop-off in quality. You don't really notice it much because they're giving you so much good stuff. There's so many great gags. There's so many funny lines. There's so many wonderful character moments between characters. You didn't necessarily expect to have a moment, and that's fascinating. But you also have a lot of loose ends. Season one also had some big red herrings, but you genuinely thought the mystery was going somewhere, and then there was a surprise twist to it. Here, it's almost like they forgot to do that first part, and then like the last two episodes. Oh, here's the twist. And we're going to explain it. And the more I think about it, the less sense it actually makes. And there's a lot of things that happen that are just a little too convenient. I don't want them to fall into that trap of, oh, it's just a comedy show. So we're not going to take it too seriously. Come on. It's just to make you laugh. I think they managed to pull that balance off wonderfully in season one. I know they have it in them. 
they kind of occasionally get close in season two. And I really hope they get back to it in season three and we get a return of form. This is still great TV. Like I said, the only reason I even mention a dip in quality is because the first season was so damn good. It's got its loose ends too and some things that don't quite line up, but so does everything. Here, this is the first time I kind of felt the strings being pulled, whereas uh, season one just felt so much more effortless. I still highly recommend this. I'm going to give this 8 out of 10 liverwurst and marmalade sandwiches. And yes, I only did it because Harmony didn't list the ingredients, <laughs> so I felt it was fair. Because she was like, oh, I was going to do the sandwich, but she is just like gross sandwiches. So we both got it. That's fair uh, game. <laughs> That's fair game. Yeah. Now, now, folks, listeners out there, doesn't that sound like a great sandwich? No. Like, aren't you curious to try that? Pass. El- Elvis can popularize peanut butter and banana, but this can't be a thing. I mean, come on. This is cannot be a thing. Oh. You know what? I like General Cho's chicken. That's sweet and sour. There you go. There you I go. like a lot of sweet and spicy things, you know? So, How much uh, turkey and cranberry concoctions do people have in like November and December? I mean, come on. How dare you say that <laughs> i haven't had liverwurst in a long time so we'll see uh i just might have to take a trip to the grocery store but you know what if i'm found dead the next morning know that one of you murdered me <laughs> oh, no. so if you're listening to this it wasn't the marmalade and liverwurst sandwich it was one of the other three reviewers on this podcast or the bird <laughs> <laughs> it could be the bird